0: She worked with children at a child care centre. She had been used to sharing details of her own family, including information about her children, with parents whose children attended the centre where she worked. Initially, she had thought nothing about the self-disclosure. She had assessed that talking about her children would assist the families to feel comfortable leaving their children with her. However, she had become aware that she was uncomfortable about sharing such intimate information with some parents. Being curious about this, she started to question her actions. she read about professional boundaries and discussed questions she had about her self-disclosure with friends. With greater awareness and appreciation about boundaries, Her concern grew about the patterns of interactions she had established in her relationships with the parents at the centre. She experienced increased discomfort with parents who would start each day asking her about her children. She realised that the focus had become about her and her children. The roles had reversed. She wanted to create greater separation between her home and work. She wanted to be able to leave her children at home where they belonged, not in her workplace. How could she protect them when she had been so disclosing of their experiences growing up? She felt a pang of disquiet that she had transgressed her children's rights to confidentiality and privacy. She wondered what she could do to change her relationships with the parents. She was concerned that if she established boundaries on her self-disclosure, that it could have a negative impact on the relationship she experienced with the parents. Perhaps even a negative impact on the centre. How could she stop the patterns of conversation that were now so well established in the meet and greet each day. Welcome to this podcast series, Professional Boundaries, Your Safety, Your Wellbeing. I'm Wendy McIntosh from Devar Consultancy and I am delighted that you are joining me on another journey into the world of professional boundaries. This podcast series invites you to reflect on your professional boundaries and to appreciate how knowing the five foundation stones of boundaries can assist you in the everyday work that you do. This is our sixth episode, and today I focus on foundation stone number five strategies. Strategies for you individually. Strategies when you witness or become aware that a colleague has or is about to transgress a boundary. Strategies for organisations. This is a good time to remember the four foundation stones that we have discussed in previous episodes. Reminding ourselves that when we understand those four stones in relationship to the context in which we work, then we already have some strategies at hand. The four foundation stones that we have previously discussed can be informative guides in our professional journey. Definitions from Episode 2 The Professional Boundary Framework including Over and Under Involvement and Categories of Concern, from Episode 3, Red Flags, from Episode 4, and Reasons for Transgressions, Episode 5. As I have stated on previous episodes, I wanted the podcast to be as interactive as possible, and I have been inviting listeners to email me any questions, scenarios or reflections that you have about boundaries. Thank you to those who give me scenarios to work with. I will continue to build them into episodes we produce. Keep your interactions coming and if you have any feedback that you want to put up on the various sites where you can access our podcast, we would love you to do so. Contact details for ongoing discussions or questions with me. Are given at the end of this episode keep putting the word out about the podcast to your colleagues peers family and friends we are delighted that as well as our growing numbers of listeners in australia we welcome listeners from europe america jamaica tanzania and south africa brilliant i am appreciating that the theme of professional boundaries is pertinent no matter where in the world we work. Whilst context will vary, professional boundary themes resonate no matter the country, the profession or the organisation. This episode introduced a scenario that is common for participants who attend my workshops. With knowledge, awareness and insight about patterns of behaviour and potential risks of those patterns, participants are keen to change the interactions in the relationships they have with clients, colleagues or family members of clients. The area of self-disclosure and how to adjust that, especially in longer term professional relationships, is worthy of exploring. As always, any inquiry about a potential or actual transgression leads with my four boundary questions. Remember them? What was or is the intent or the purpose of the action, the content of the speech? Whose needs are, were being met? Where are there other options available? Generally... A minimal of five. And the question I believe is essential. What stopped the person using another option? For this episode we're going to get back into the car for a journey like we did in episode 3 when we discussed the boundary framework. So buckle up safely, get comfortable and enjoy the learning. Remember if you have any questions, reflections or stories you want to share, don't be a backseat driver. Come up front with me and yarn. There are three main billboards ahead. Strategies for self, strategies for colleagues, organisational strategies. Many of the strategies presented in this episode comes from the data I collect at the end of each workshop on boundaries. Consistent strategies emerge no matter the organisation or professional group that I work with. The strategies are consistent with articles written on professional boundaries. The strategies are consistent with those identified by participants who complete our internet tool on boundaries. We are going to stop at all three billboards and take time to absorb what they have to tell us. Let us start with strategies for self, our first billboard. Strategies for self. Preparing for the journey that is professional boundaries. I remember early on in my psychiatric nurse training, one of our lecturers being been very clear with us, you are not here to get your own therapy, you will not use the patients for that purpose. You need therapy, you go pay for it. Few of us had any understanding about what she meant However, at various stages in our training and careers, most of us have had an experience that gave us that aha moment. This is what I love about the aha moments. We can have many of them at different times in our lives. Then one day, there is enough of the ahas for a particular behaviour that we actually get the big Aha! The one that really creates a new link in our neuropathways. This lecturer also wanted us to be very clear about our reasons for becoming psychiatric nursing students. Get to know the real reason you are here, she would say to us. It took me many years to get very clear on why I was there. Self awareness and insight is not necessarily an easy process, but in terms of professional boundaries, I believe they are essential. Self awareness. I believe that understanding, effectively developing, and maintaining professional boundaries is difficult if we do not have an awareness about our own motivations for the things we say and how we act in relationship to other people. Boundaries are much easier when the professional is very present to each moment in a relationship with the client. For me, this includes the preparation to be with the client. The time after an interaction ceases and staying present when writing up a progress report about the client. I believe that it is important to keep checking in with self about how the relationship is progressing. Being present with self is key to being present with the other person. Being present. Being present to the power vulnerability dynamic in the professional relationship. Being present to one's own vulnerability in the relationship. Showing up in the relationship. Life coach Alaric Hutchinson stated, Bravery is the choice to show up and listen to another person, be it a loved one or perceived foe, even when it is uncomfortable, painful, or the last thing. You want to do. I have identified a number of showing up questions that helps guide the work I do with an individual. Am I well enough to be at work today? Am I being triggered in this relationship? And if so, what are the triggers? What am I required to attend to in my responses to the other person? What am I contributing? To the energy between us. Self-awareness, insight and being present top my list of strategies for self. What follows is my go-to list for strategies for self. Be clear on organizational professional guidelines on boundaries. If you're not clear, seek clarification. Similarly, check and understand your professional codes about professional boundaries. Trust that saying no and setting limits can assist the relationship. I hold close a statement from a participant who attended one of my workshops a couple of years ago. If we never say no, then the yeses become irrelevant. If we never say no, then the yeses become irrelevant. I like that. It is okay to pause to take a breath before responding to the other person's questions, comments. Take time for self. Ensure a balanced lifestyle. Dress for work. That means if there is no specific uniform for where you work, create your own work wardrobe. Thus, when you dress for work, you are mindful of the professional relationships you'll be encountering. Seek counsel when unsure. Pay attention to the red flags. Do not ignore them as though they are unimportant. Create a third space between work and home. Time for you, just you. Consider what you are leaving and where you are going to and prepare in the third space for that transition. I have put a link to the concept of the third space at the end of the written transcript for this episode, which you can access from our website. Okay, I am almost ready to put the car into gear and move to the next billboard. However, before I do, take some time to consider the strategies you currently have in place for you. Are there some on the list you had not thought about before, that you could integrate into the work you do currently and in the future. Note them down! Participants I see are always keen to have specific scripts that they can use when developing confidence in their professional relationships, especially when setting boundaries. I try not to be prescriptive in the work I do with participants. I encourage each person to develop their own scripts. Scripts that they will feel comfortable using. Like learning to drive a car, it can take many attempts before they feel comfortable and confident using new boundary scripts. Like learning to drive the car, sometimes the words will come out in a splutter. Sometimes too fast, sometimes too slow. It takes time, it takes practice to develop a new set of responses to the conversations we have with other people. As we sit at this billboard for self-strategies, here are some suggestions I offer re-scripts. When setting and maintaining boundaries, Keep what you are saying short, no more than five words, and pause. Allow time so that what you have said reaches the other person. At all times hold great respect and dignity for the other person. Avoid what I call a storytelling rationalisation for the boundary, for the limit setting. Too much information and you will lose the importance of setting the boundary. Time and time again in workshops, when we role play with individuals to change their scripts, they quickly become aware of the power of keeping to the purpose, keeping sentences short. It takes time, it takes practice to change habits of a lifetime. Thinking about the scenario at the beginning of this episode, boundary setting is definitely easier when we have boundaries in place from that first meeting. What is important in this scenario is that the person herself wants to change the dynamic. Changing patterns of behavior with customers is harder when an employee is directed by a supervisor employer or regulatory body to make changes. That is why having self-awareness and insight enables changes to be more congruent for the person. In workshops, I talk about the need to recalibrate the relationship with the customer, and to do that effectively, we need to recalibrate our relationship with ourselves recalibrate, according to the Cambridge Dictionary, is to change the way you do or think about something. I imagine as I sit here with you in the car a few possibilities. As we sit here, you are the parent and I am the employee in the childcare centre. I'm going to call you Belle. Your child is called Ross. Usual pattern is that you initiate the conversation with me when you arrive at the centre. You get in early with a question about my children. Today I'm going to recalibrate our relationship. Today I am going to initiate the conversation with you and direct it. Hi Belle, great to see you. Hi Ross, lots of activities for you today. Bill, is there anything you need to know about Ross and what we will be doing today? Or words to that effect. The focus is on the parent, on the child. Get in the driver's seat. Take charge. Drive with presence. Drive with safety. You say to me, but what if Bill manages to get in and ask about your children? What then? Great question. We get in the driver's seat again. Belle, I am keen from now on that we focus on Ross being here and how we can make this a good experience for him and you and keep the focus on Ross. You say to me, but what if Belle persists in asking about your children? I respond, well, she may well do, after all, that is what I have allowed to happen. I have set up the expectation in the relationship. With consistent new messaging however, Belle will get it that the focus is on her son and we will both move on. And so we too will move on to the billboard on strategies for a colleague. Let's go. Strategies for a Colleague In many respects developing strategies for a colleague who is about to or has transgressed a boundary is more challenging than managing our own boundaries. The very act of approaching a colleague about a transgression can create much stress and distress for many people. If a person comes from a family which had open communication and family members were celebrated for bringing forward concerns, then it could be easier to approach colleagues with concerns. Similarly, if workplaces have open and transparent cultures that encourage employees to approach one another, then that permission can assist individuals approach a colleague with greater ease. Examples of intrapsychic questions which can emerge for a person who wants to approach a colleague to discuss a potential or actual transgression they have witnessed include What do I say? What do I do? What if I have it all wrong? What if my colleague gets angry? What right do I have to say anything? For a start, no one wants to be a dauber, right? Not sure what a dauber is? Well, according to the Collins Dictionary, it is Australian slang for an informant or traitor. I have worked with many professionals who have not wished to report unprofessional and unethical behaviour of a colleague because they did not want to be viewed as a dauber. This intensifies in workplaces where there has been a perceived punishment for employees who have raised concerns or reported a colleague's behaviour. For many the fear of ostracism. And being made a scapegoat for reporting a colleague is stronger than making that courageous move to put a boundary in place. What if we change the intrapsychic narrative to say something different? For example, I'm doing this to support a colleague. The client requires me to be an advocate for them. This is my duty of care. I would want a colleague to let me know. My profession requires me to do this. The question of what to actually say to a colleague can also create turmoil for some individuals. In workshops I talk about being curious with a colleague. If you approach with curiosity in tone of voice and words then you may wake up a curiosity in your colleague a curiosity about their behaviour a curiosity about their intentions a curiosity to ask further questions about what has been observed or heard. There are many folks I have seen who had been reported for boundary transgressions, who had just not realised that their behaviour had been transgressions. No colleague approached them. No colleague gently challenged them. No colleague said to them, I am concerned for you. Post the event in reflection, they wish a colleague had approached them. They rationalised that because nothing had been said, then there was no problem with their actions. And they kept going. So many times professionals have said to me, I wish someone had told me that what I was doing was not okay. I didn't know that what I was doing was a transgression. Colleagues saw me and said nothing. In previous episodes, I have been slowly teasing out the experience I had with a female patient when I put my body between her and a wall. In the episode on the boundary framework, I discussed categories of concern, one of those being the giving and receiving of gifts. Well, over many weeks, I received different handmade gifts from her. She was an artist, and I considered her work exquisite and beautiful. At no time in my receiving of a gift did a colleague say to me, Watch out! Or, What are you doing? Or, you know receiving gifts are not okay here. Perhaps when that relationship was in play in the 1980s, when we were not so aware of boundaries, receiving gifts was no big deal. I suspect, however, if a colleague had been curious with me and wondered aloud with me what was occurring in the relationship, I may also have got more present about what was happening for me intrapsychically in the relationship. Perhaps I had not yet reached that 10 year mark of self knowing for me. Now many organizations do have policies and or guidelines in place about giving and receiving gifts, and this is good. It has become very clear to me over my years of doing boundary work if there are no clear policies or guidelines in place, staff will make up their own guidelines based on their own moral compass, based on their own sense of right and wrong, based on the familial and cultural patterns that they have experienced. What follows are some suggested statements that could be made to a colleague. A statement made with a curious tone of voice. A tone of interest rather than judgment or assumption. A tone that invites curiosity from the colleague. A tone that wakes them up to someone being genuinely present with them. For example... I am showing up for you as a colleague. I'm curious about what you said and did with that client. I've never heard or seen you do that previously. I'm curious. When you were with that client, I heard you say to them, Yes, I am your friend. I am wondering... Strategies for approaching and supporting colleagues are enhanced in organisations which support and encourage staff to challenge one another about boundaries. The following are other strategies that can enhance a more cohesive team approach to boundaries. Teamwork that actually works. And that requires good engagement between all members of the team. Consistent approaches towards clients from all team members. I encourage robust discussions away from clients to examine and explore approaches to care. However, front of office, all team members must be consistent in the work and messaging they do with clients. When one member has a different boundary and approach that challenges the boundaries of their colleagues, then that is a red flag. Something is different here. Clients will pick this up. Clients will behave in different ways with different staff. Checking in with one another. Being clear on the purpose for the day ahead. Being courageous to name a behaviour. Use the language of boundaries. Rather than talking about feeling that a transgression has occurred, use the language of boundary definitions. Use the boundary framework as a guide. Name the categories of concern that have been triggered. The foundation stones of boundaries are there to guide you. Use them thoughtfully. Never assume that the data you have is about a boundary transgression. That is why it is so important to check in with your colleague, his or her experience, and understanding of their behaviors and speech content. Work together for clarity. If, for whatever reason, there is a reluctance in your colleague to acknowledge or address a boundary transgression, then in most organisations it will be necessary to escalate up. Always report and inform your colleague that you will be doing that. Report in writing, report verbally. It is important that historical track is laid down. We're just about to move on to the third billboard, organisational strategies. And before we do, I want to clarify that when approaching and or reporting a potential or actually boundary transgression in a colleague, ensure that you follow your organization's policy and guidelines on same. So let's get the car into gear again and get ready to drive towards the third and final billboard for this episode Organisational Strategies Organisational Strategies I trust that, as we drive towards this billboard, that you have been developing a list based on the previous two billboards. In order to ensure individual and collegial boundaries are in place, it is imperative that organisations have informative and perhaps even instructive policies and guidelines in place on boundaries. When exploring organisational strategies, it is important to understand the ways in which organisational culture can both challenge and complement professional boundaries. A fantastic TED talk that I share with many participants is that by Brooke Deterlin. In her presentation, Brooke invites employees and organisations To become aware of patterns of unethical behaviour in the workplace culture. And then to develop creative ways of challenging the cultural norm. I found her presentation inspiring. Yes, I absolutely accept that challenging the cultural norm does come with risks. For some, those risks can be high including the potential to lose one's employment. However, in my experience working with participants on boundary issues, not challenging unethical or unprofessional practices comes at too high a cost for the individual, including challenges to one's own integrity and one's sense of self-worth. Challenges to the purpose of one's being. Other workplace factors that can influence professional transgressions towards clients and indeed collegially include shame and blame cultures, vicarious trauma, workplace bullying and moral distress. I will discuss most of these in more detail in part two of our boundary series. Yes, stay tuned. More on that at the end of this episode. So what strategies can organizations have in place to ensure staff, customers and the organization keep boundaries safe? First and foremost, it is necessary to have clear policies and guidelines on professional boundaries. Inclusion of information about the five foundation stones provides staff with good information to assist them. Ensure role modelling of boundaries through all levels, from CEOs, managers, team leaders and all staff. Role modelling boundaries collegially and with customers. Mixed messages of saying one thing and role modelling something completely different creates boundary disturbances and trust can be eroded. Eroded within the organisation and experienced by customers. Good education and training on boundaries for all staff at all levels. It is clear at the end of the one-day workshops that I conduct that participants want more. In one day they are appreciative of what they have learnt and they are hungry for more. Hungry for more information and skills on boundaries. They are awakened to the importance of boundaries. They are excited about what they can do to change their own behaviour and to take the information they have gathered to return to their units, their teams, their organisations to discuss and potentially implement changes. I see the benefits in yearly refreshers. As I said in an earlier episode, developing professional boundary skills takes time and patience and lots of practice. I encourage teams to use the workbooks I've developed as conversation points about boundaries. I invite them next time you're together as a group Choose a page in the workbook. Explore the questions posed together. Are you on the same page? In the workbook, but also in terms of role modelling boundaries to clients. Yarn, discuss, agree, disagree, yarn more. It is also beneficial that staff have easy access to employee assistance programmes as a safe and confidential place that they can go to for counselling and support when they identify a need for themselves or a colleague. I believe that organisations have a duty of care to their staff to ensure that they have regular breaks over the course of a shift. That when employees leave work at the end of a shift, they leave work. Phones turned off. No expectations that they will do work at home, especially if they are not being paid to do so. To enhance professional boundaries, employees need a break from their work. When work comes home at night with them, They are not having a break. A line has been transgressed. When organisations transgress lines with their staff, it is a powerful message that is delivered. A more powerful message would be, we value who you are. We celebrate that you have time away from work for you and your family. that is us just about the end of this journey the end of part one of this podcast series on professional boundaries I've enjoyed the journey I've enjoyed sharing this podcast series with you I'm excited to prepare for part two I have continued to learn about boundaries with each episode I have written what a privilege for me that you have travelled with me. So I stop this car. We're going to take a break. We're going to consider, reflect on all the information shared in this Part 1 of Professional Boundaries podcast. As I warm up to thinking about Part 2, I've already identified specific themes I want to cover. At this point, they include an episode on collegial boundaries. And in that episode, I'll explore further the themes of workplace bullying, moral distress and compassion fatigue, and the link with boundary transgressions. In another episode, I'll explore attachment and boundaries. In another one, understanding the limbic system to assist us understand ourselves in boundaries. Shame in boundaries, understanding that connection. and an episode for isolated practitioners or people in private practice who don't have the support of an organisation behind them, there are many other boundary considerations that they have to be mindful of. I and my team look forward to producing part two for you.
1: This podcast series
0: has been written by myself, Wendy McIntosh. A big thank you, as always, to family and colleagues who hear each podcast before it is released and who provide valuable editing feedback. Thank you to Nikki Frye, my internet guru, who has done the production of these podcasts. As I said earlier, I would love to hear from you, our listeners, any questions, scenarios, reflections that you want to hear discussed as part of a podcast session. There is still much to learn, and each question and scenario posed provides opportunities to expand learning about professional boundaries. My email address is wendy.davar.com.au You can also contact me through our social media of Twitter. I would be delighted for podcasts to be as meaningful as possible to all who listen. So join with me. You can access our podcast through a number of sources, including our website, davar.com.au. Dot .au backstroat p b podcast. The spelling for devar is d for discussion, a for awareness, v for visceral, a for action, a for alert, r for red flags. Thank you for listening. Let's meet again in part two, where we uncover, explore and discuss more professional boundary ideas.